Hey guys, welcome back. It's Dan Waltzman here with Edgy Conversations, of course, with Dan Waltzman, me. Uh, the podcast all about radical ideas for people who want to change. So, the last few days have been a whirlwind for me, and, and I don't know how that's different from any other day. It feels like every hour is committed from about 5 a.m. in the morning till midnight, 12.30, something like that. So... I think that's usually the day, 5.15 or so, the the alarm goes off, which is connected to the watch on my arm. I don't know, I've got this fancy Garmin watch that kind of tracks how I run and my heart rate throughout the day and all the steps that I take. And even if I step on a scale, it synchronizes to the cloud and 5.15 or so in the morning, it starts vibrating. It's bad enough if you have an alarm clock that's loud, but imagine if you've got a watch on your wrist that just starts vibrating. I mean, it's... And if you, you can't ignore it, I mean, there's just like, there's no way you can ignore it. It will wake you up. So about 5.30, when things start moving, because I think from about 5.15, 5.20 to 5.30, it's a blur. I'm just going to the bathroom trying to get in the shower. All the way up through midnight, where I finally stumble into bed. My wife jokes sometimes that uh, she's like, you bring that damn laptop to bed, and you're drooling. Uh, you know, but it's falling, falling apart, falling to pieces. Just trying to get things done. But here's one thing I noticed the other day in the middle of kind of like what is whirlwind days is that, boy, do I leave some collateral damage behind me sometimes. You know, are you that type of person as well? You're just getting so much stuff done. You're on calls. You're doing emails. You're tweeting. You're on social, having this call, having this meeting, talking to this person, planning this plan, strategizing that strategy. Always thinking, always working, always grinding, always doing, always trying to thrive. And in the middle of it, you realize, oh, man, I probably did some stuff that was really crazy. In fact, not just crazy, but I hurt people's feelings. And because I was too short with someone, um, you know, I left some emotional collateral damage behind me. And so I wanted to share a little something with you that I learned some time ago. And, and now, look, as I share this with you, it's not me saying I've got it all figured out or that I do it all right. Um, my chief of staff will tell you that I do not have it all figured out. I don't know. Maybe he's kind enough to try to pretend like I do. But but I'll tell you this is that one thing I've learned to do well, whether it's uh, with my wife or whether it's with others, is to apologize by the way, as I said that last sentence, I should probably proofread it. What I said was, as I learned to do, one thing is I'm learning to do better. That's a better way to say it, right? Is to just apologize quickly for something and not let it metastasize. It's being aware that you could have done something better. It's being aware of potential collateral damage you might have caused. And then quickly, quickly addressing the issue. Just saying something like, yeah, I could have done that better. Apologies. Apologies. Now, nothing better illustrates this point, kind of the impact of this, than the year 2007. Now you're thinking, dude, that's a stretch. You went from, from, from telling me about your world one day to saying apology back to 2007. Well, here, there's a story that sticks in my mind from 2007. And it's somewhat laughable. And I don't even know why I remember the story. Do, do you ever have a story that's like in the back of your mind that you're like, why, why do I even remember this? This is bonkers. But I remember 2007, I was carrying a Blackberry. How many of you have Blackberries? Probably everyone, right? If you were pimp, <laughs> if you were halfway business focused, you had a Blackberry and you were sending your emails and, and downloading apps 
from a crappy app store. Remember how all the apps were, you know, barely passable. None of them would made it into the app store now or any of the app stores, whether it's Android or PC, it doesn't even matter. They were all crappy, but we were, we were excited. We had our Blackberries in our hand and things like that. Also, 2007, wasn't the year the iPhone launched as well? So this story kind of takes place right in the middle of BlackBerry and its peak. It's kind of the greatest Canadian company we've, we've all heard about. Uh, to the rise of the next greatest company that we all still know about. In 2007, something happened for BlackBerry that had never, ever, ever, ever in the history of BlackBerry happened before. And that's BlackBerry went down. So you remember when you when you first got your BlackBerry set up, you had to do some configuration to either forge your email into BlackBerry or set it up so that your black email went into BlackBerry. You remember how that that happened? Once you had it set up once, you didn't have to touch it again. But the very, very, very first few times that you got a new device, you had to do a little bit of configuration to get everything set up. And that's because BlackBerry has, and I, think, I say has because to this day still, they have probably the strongest security platform of any of Android, uh, Apple, or, or PC, or, or Microsoft. They're just, it's flat out bonkers how secure their stuff is. And I, I think, uh, you know, Apple and Android are catching up. But before I go down a nerdy rabbit, rabbit trail, let me just say, so... I had my email passed through BlackBerry, as did many of you back in 2007. You're getting your corporate email, your personal email. It's all going through BlackBerry. Well, BlackBerry went down for two or three days, and there were large sections of the country, of the world, in fact, because BlackBerry ruled the world, that were down. Literally, no access to your email. Everything was stalled. And what was interesting back then was that... Uh, after the first few hours, people were kind of like tapping their phones as if to refresh the screen, you know, like what's going on? Rebooting their phones, turning them on, turning them off, turning them on, turning them off, turn, trying to figure out what was going on. It was just so unusual because your BlackBerry would buzz or chime and then immediately boot up with all your messages right inside of it. And this is what you're used to having happen. Well, imagine an hour goes by and two hours go by and four hours go by and eight hours go by. A whole working day goes by and... No word from BlackBerry on anything going down. This is strange. It's almost as if they were trying to pretend that it didn't happen. Like maybe if they ignored it, no one else would notice. Of course, you know, blogs are buzzing and even uh, TV news is reporting that large sections of, of BlackBerry users are experiencing outages or failures or problems, but nothing from BlackBerry. It was so strange. One day went down, and then on the second day, you would think that, uh, you know, in the back of your mind, well, while I'm sleeping, they're going to get it worked out. And then when I get back to the office, I'm going to have, like, a ton of email from yesterday that I need to go answer and all that good stuff. Well, sure enough, you went back the, the next morning, and nothing. Goose eggs. And so that day began a couple days into it, and then lunch happened, still no emails, and then the evening happened, and the evening and the morning were now the second day. And on the third day, which was like the second day and the first day, something strange happened. It was as if, as if someone at BlackBerry, Research in Motion, went around and just slapped everyone in the face and said, hey, guys, we need to address this. And so the marketing dudes and the video dudes and the CEO, executive offices all kind of huddled up. And they came out with this video. And I have to tell you, if you ever want to see a video that is... Uh, laughably horrific. Is that the right? Are those the right adjectives? Like when, you know, like when something's so bad, 
you know, almost like when you rickroll somebody. <laughs> My son does that. God damn it. Uh, so, you know, hey, check this out, check this out. And then I see it's, you know, I'm getting rickrolled. But they posted this video on the on day three. Now, imagine this setting. You've seen these videos where someone's seat, you know, seated, 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 oh my goodness, in front of the camera, like a hostage. And you see from about the top of their, their pecs up, right? It's that like upper third. And the CEO of, of BlackBerry was staring straight at the camera as if he had, someone had a bazooka to his hind parts, right? <laughs> and he's looking at the camera. He doesn't smile. And he starts into this diatribe about how you have always trusted BlackBerry and BlackBerry is amazing. And we have conquered more than anyone has conquered. And we are the best. And we're the best. I mean, like, I, I know I'm exaggerating a little bit. Basically, for uh, out of a three-minute video, I think he might have spent two two minutes and 15 seconds talking about how amazing BlackBerry was and how grateful he was to have your trust. And then as if by some bit of like, oh yeah, by the way, I need to say this as well. He says something in, the, in there about the fact that, oh yeah, uh, some of you have noticed some problems and we're working hard to correct this. And then that was it. And out he went. And I think at the end of the third day, while we all woke up on the fourth day, I think we had our email back. Coincidentally, a few months later, Apple came in with this thing and Steve Jobs on the platform said, one more thing. And he announced the iPhone. And we know the stories. From that moment forward, BlackBerry began to tank, almost had to file bankruptcy, eventually sold itself out, off. And Apple went on to become the juggernaut that it is, one of the most valuable companies in the world right now. Now, I can't tell you that a lack of an apology by BlackBerry, a suitable apology, a timely apology, a quick apology, the right thing, caused BlackBerry to meet its final demise. Right now, come on, I can't do that. But I have to tell you, it probably didn't help. And it's safe to say that that lackluster attitude, that inability to challenge your weaknesses, meet them head on, and just tell people, look, we screwed up, probably caused their fan base to say, if there's another option that's just as good or perhaps even slightly better, we're gonna jump now. If you wonder why it's so easy for your customers to leave you, if you wonder why your competition seems to be stealing up so much of your market share, it might be just this same simple attitude, bad attitude, this inability to say, I'm sorry and mean it. You know, you could even say, listen, we fucked up. Now, if you don't like to curse, I get it. My mom listens to this thing, I guess, this podcast. So, sorry, mom. You don't have to curse. We screwed up. We did bad. We suck. How about that? We suck. I'm sorry. We're never going to do that again. And here's how I'm going to make it right to you. You know how amazing people feel when you just say the truth? You, 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 you don't have to stretch. You don't have to plead. You don't have to give a long explanation. Like, your apology needs to be like four sentences. One we're sorry. Two, here's what happened. Maybe that's two or three sentences. Last sentence, again, we're sorry. We're never going to do it again. That's it. That's all consumers want from you. That's all your buyers want from you. That's it. No, no fancy excuses, no double talk, no explanations and reasons. Oh, but we have to explain. No, you don't. No, you don't. You might have to explain to your boss why you're losing customers, but that's because you're busy trying to explain away bad behavior to people who just want you to behave like a normal human being.
So I think of this story. Um, I guess it's somewhat, what do you call it, hyperbolic? Exaggerated in my mind. I think about this, the old guys in the field, you know, crushing it. Blackberry crushed it, crushed it. I mean, crushed it, crushed it. And you had Apple, who was new on the scene, who just said, we're going to try to do right by people. Love them or hate them, Apple or Blackberry, you can't deny the fact that a great apology, a simple apology, apology, doing the right thing always makes even your worst competitors fall in love with you. The people who hate you the most, they have nothing to say bad against you when you just come out and say what they were wanting you to say all along. And the reality is they're challenging you to say it as if by some sense of machismo, you're not going to be able to go, I'm sorry. And they clap their hands knowing that they have destroyed you. But when you come out and say something simple like, listen, we screwed up. We suck. We're never going to have that happen again. Here's my promise. And you move on. Guess what? Your competitors can't talk crap about you. You're, you're, the people trying to poke holes at you can't talk anything about you because you've done the right thing. And you've, you've positioned it from a, from a standpoint, from a perspective where you're unassailable. I mean, you, you cannot be touched when you do that. So why don't we do this more often? That's my challenge. Why don't we do this more often? Why don't we stop making all these excuses, all these, quote unquote, you can't see me, reasons, explanations, trying to convince people that, yeah, it was kind of a mistake, but, but, but who knows? And, and But we'll try to figure it out. Why don't we just say, I'm sorry? Two words, maybe three if you uncontracted. I'm sorry. We made a mistake. We're never going to do it again. Just a reminder, you know, as I think about my day and how sometimes things go wrong, you can waste weeks or months of good people's time, attention, and passion by running roughshod over them and not taking the time to stop and say, we made a mistake and I want to apologize. It's a lesson for me, something I'm still learning. I'll come back to you and share more examples of things like this where I'm working on this. I told you, I'm not perfect. <laughs> Actually, no one believed that in the first place. I, I won't even try to sell you the story, but I am passionate and I do have higher hopes for myself and I do have a higher standard for my behavior and I find it unacceptable when I screw up. And so I'm going to keep improving and I hope you will as well. So. This has been Dan Waldschmidt, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Edgy Conversations. Radical help for people who want it. If you like the episode, share them with a friend, star, do all that crazy stuff. Listen, listen, most importantly, don't do nothing. See you next time here on Edgy Conversations with Dan Waldschmidt.